Okay, good morning. I've got a whole extra electronics up here that I'm not going to touch. <laughs> Can you hear them? Yeah, we're okay. So, well, this morning we have Tim and Virgie Farley. I already got his name wrong once. Tim, not Jim, right? Yeah. Um, from. Uh, Association, Associated Baptist for World Evangelism? Pretty close. Close, okay. And he's been uh, director of a uh, Bible school in uh, Peru for, oh, since 2010, if I got the numbers right. So he was going to share with us this morning. So let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and for those who go out and minister uh, both to in evangelism and in teaching uh, to reach those uh, who need your word and, and who need the instruction and, and the, the pastors and, and other church leaders who need training. Lord, we thank you for those who, who do that and uh, we thank you that we can have Tim and Virgie with us this morning and just pray that uh, you'll be with him as, as he speaks and uh, give us open hearts as we listen. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Tim? Go ahead. What? Is the mic on? It is. Okay. I couldn't have you here. Make sure your TV is on. I heard it's Yeah, it didn't seem as loud. Should be good to go. Now. <coughs> Well, good morning. Are we still connected? It looks like it's connecting. We wait for communication. There we are. And here we are. Well, we want to just thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, enjoyed the drive from where we stayed here to the church. Um, we are both basically country folk um, and so for our time this morning we wanted to just be able to share a little bit about who we are what we're doing and we're just thankful for being here so as it says we are ABWE missionaries which is the Association for Baptists for World Evangelism <coughs> in Iquitos Peru and just a little bit about ourselves <clears throat> I was Born and raised in Spokane, Washington. I try to avoid saying I grew up there because some say I never did. And Virgie was raised and grew up in Northern California. I was born into a godly Christian home, so it was my privilege to be in a home, went to church, Bible camp, had Christian radio station, some of the things that are a blessing and more and more in today's world are non-existent, so I counted a privilege. But through that, the Lord directed in my life, I accepted him as Savior at age four. My mother tells me about that. I don't really remember it, but I do know that as I grew, continued commitments and growing convinced me of that reality. The Lord was leading me to become a missionary pilot when I was about nine, listening to radio programs. 
Christian radio program. Didn't really know what that meant, but I went to Christian college offering a degree in missionary aviation. And that was where I met Virgie. And so I'll let her share her <laughs> background to that point. Well, as Tim mentioned, we have similar backgrounds. I grew up in a small town in Northern California. Um, and I also grew up in a wonderful godly home and I appreciate the, God doing that for me. Um, I also accepted the Lord at the age of four. It was just around Easter time. Um, the Sunday school teacher was talking about Christ's sacrifice on the cross and the reason for it, the need for um, us to be saved. And I just uh, praise the Lord that he pressed upon my heart to respond to that message and accepted the Lord. Um, as I was growing up, we had a lot of missionaries come into our home as um, I dub it as we were the, the local motel for uh, the traveling missionaries as they came through. And uh, so I was exposed to a lot of missions in that respect. I had a desire to visit missionaries. Never actually thought that I would be one <laughs> for a full-time thing. Um, so when I went to college, I was looking into a degree in biblical counseling. And uh, as Tim said, that's where we met in Southern California. Uh, but while there in, in school, taking classes, um, studying God's word, he pressed upon me the desire for becoming a full-time missionary. So that is how we ended up together on our way to Peru. And so we got together, as mentioned, <laughs> and married and had children. And so here is the current status of our children. Jason and Lisa are now missionaries in Romania. They're just starting their second year there, learning the language and culture. And our daughter and son-in-law are the parents of our grandchildren. And so we are at that stage in life being grandparents. And, and in Pennsylvania. They are in Pennsylvania. And through COVID, we ended up uh, more connected now with them in Pennsylvania than we ever had been before to the East Coast, and that's another story. <laughs> so that's a little bit of our background. Um, went to Peru, first uh, 10 years we were working with an aviation ministry that had been there with our mission, trying to get the airplane permission to fly in the mountains. It's a long story. To make it short, <laughs> uh, there was an event known as 9-11. Six months prior to that, a missionary plane with our mission had been shot down in the jungles of Peru. And then six months after 9-11, another airplane, a commuter liner, went into the side of a mountain. So all the paperwork that Peru wanted to have happen to give permission for a small plane to fly was not granted after 10 years. So then we went to Iquitos, where we currently are as directors of a Bible Institute. More. So today's world during COVID uh, got really bad in Iquitos, so we, along with many other missionaries, were taken out by the U.S. government and brought back to the U.S., where we were for a little over a year and a half. Um, and during that time, in Iquitos, there were things happening, changes. Um, a lot of people succumbed to it. We knew of a, had heard of a lot of pastors and others that were dying of it. 
At the same time, there were some things going on. A mall is finally being destruct, uh, constructed. Iquitos is the largest city in the world that you can't get to by land. So if you look up Wikipedia, it is defined as the largest isolated city in the world, about six, 700,000 people, and you can only make it by flying or on a boat. So our evacuation was a little bit more complicated, but as we returned, a mall was being constructed and they constructed the longest bridge in Peru. So because I'm a teacher at the Institute, I'm gonna show you a bit of the view around going over the bridge, but you need to pay extra close attention. There'll be a test following. <laughs> Bye. 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 
So I don't know if you noticed some of the more obvious things about crossing that bridge. First of all, the message of the song I really like, the way they play on the words. There is a bridge to cross the Great Divide and there is a cross to bridge the Great Divide. But as we contemplate a bridge, probably you weren't thinking of this. So what is the purpose of a bridge? Is it to connect or divide? Um, you don't normally think of a bridge as just a place to go and look around. You definitely probably haven't thought of a bridge as simply being a dead end. But all of those things that we did with that bridge, we will use in our presentation. So the ministry at the Bible Institute, um, the building is this year celebrating its 75th year of being in existence. Classes have been on, offered in a variety of ways over that time. We still use the Bible Institute property and building for large events like a conference, a convention, as well as teaching the classes. <clears throat> and as we mentioned or showed in the bridge, um, as we return, our goal in going back is to have one more term to be able to finish the current cycle of four years in our studies. It's a four-year program. But after that, we're seeing that there will be a need for some changes in the way we train leaders and how that property is used, if it can be used in the future. But you may have seen other changes, uh, maybe not as obvious, but the level of the water under the bridge. The reason that bridge is so long, it's actually 1.3 miles long. And one of the reasons it's so long is because when the water is up high, it's from end to end under that bridge. It's all water under there. The Amazon River in that area raises and lowers 50 feet every year. So if you think there's flooding around here, that's <laughs> what they go through every year. It's their normal life. Also some changes. Um, if you'd been around 75 years ago to see it after construction, and then today there's been some needed upkeep and added security and so on. We've been there for a little over 10 years, being involved with that. But as we've observed over the last 10 years, while it is a very key location, the age and just the way it's viewed locally um, impacts the ability to have an ongoing ministry. And during our school year, we do take some time for some more enjoyable activities. We have a day that we invite all the teachers, students, and their families to come and share a day of enjoyment, play some games, and even in the games we can teach some principles of teamwork, have to work together. <coughs> and <clears throat> it does rain there occasionally, and sometimes when it rains, it rains a lot. So we have to be prepared for both indoor and outdoor activities. So it's just an opportunity for, again, teachers and students to enjoy the day. But during the week, there's classes, and I'll let Virgie share a little bit about her role. The usual hour for uh, the Bible Institute is from 4 o'clock in the afternoon till 10.30 at night, and that's usually where I'm going to be, is in the library. Um, I, while there, I wear various hats. I'm bookkeeper and librarian, also registrar, and... Uh, 
career counselor or just uh, mentor counseling. So I never know what the day will be, bring, but I just praise the Lord that he allows me to be there to work with that. We also do chapel uh, a couple times a month. And in one of those chapels, we always celebrate birthdays for the month. And there has been students who have told me that it's the first time that anyone has um, made them something special and celebrated their birthday special, which is kind of interesting because Peru puts a lot of emphasis on birthdays and other celebrations. So it's kind of interesting to see that some of those students that we have are coming from such families that um, they just never, never got to celebrate their birthdays. So. We're both involved in teaching, and we have a few of our courses, a couple every year, that we try to promote and really encourage local churches to send other students that wouldn't be going regularly, but to take advantage of these courses. So some of these classes, as you can see, we'll have upwards of 30 students. But our normal, um, normal activities, normal classes for the four-year program start out the first two years, we'll have maybe 15. And by the third and fourth year, we're down to eight to 12 students. So give them the full four years of training. Those that graduate are prepared to be pastors, missionaries, and we encourage Sunday school teachers to come, even if it's for two years. And then some of the classes, again, uh, teaching daily vacation Bible school, they will go out during the time of that class and, and put on several vacation Bible schools in local churches or even on a plaza in one of, the, one of the areas of the city. We attend uh, one of the churches uh, most frequently, if we're not involved doing something else on a weekend. And that church that we attend regularly just celebrated their 90th anniversary. And then on the right here, one of the young men who is <clears throat> close to graduating, uh, he probably would have graduated if it hadn't have been for the pandemic and needing to close for a couple of years. Just received a, uh, a message from him yesterday that today, this morning at his church, they were um, commissioning he and his family to be more involved in the church ministry. We are encouraged with our students, but at the same time, we often find that the local churches will involve them after the first year or two to the point where it's difficult many times for them to finish their studies. So while it's good to get involved, it's also a challenge for to have really well-trained leaders in the churches. So we keep praying for that. Here's another one of our students. Um, again, just pay attention to the environment that he is sharing during one of our chapel messages. find it easy to uh, hear it? I didn't ask for understanding. Again, he was speaking <laughs> Spanish. But um, when it rains there, it can rain quite profusely. <clears throat> As I mentioned, we have a day of activities and indoor and outdoor activities. The couple to the back on the left picture, a pastor and his wife who help us a lot teaching classes. They're involved a little bit more in our absence during the first trimester. Our school year starts in March and goes through December. Southern Hemisphere, 
just a different approach to the school year. And then the guy in the front is, again, going through our course of studies, and he and his wife are leading a church and ministry for the deaf that's just across the street from the Institute. And the man in the red shirt in the picture on the right and front is the pastor of the church that I said we attend regularly, Pastor Juan. He also helps us teach. Another one of our teachers and his family, part of his family, they have another another child, older, who is getting involved in missions. So again, we appreciate the local help. And in our special day that we mentioned, I'll let Virgie share a little bit about <laughs> what's going on here. No activity in Peru is complete without food. So um, anytime we have big, um, especially the big activities, we need to spend, <clears throat> give them a, a good meal. So. This particular meal is a, like a creamed chicken served over potatoes with rice on the side. Uh, in Peru, no meal is complete without rice. So no matter what you're serving, you must serve rice on the side, whether it's spaghetti or whether it's whatever other meal you can think of, um, it must include rice. So, um, and then uh, our teammate, uh, Wendy, is helping me there in the picture on the right. Um, the, the gal on the right um, in the red dress there, uh, Catherine, she and her husband were taking classes at the Bible Institute. Um, Catherine took every class that I, ta that I teach, um, studied under me, and then when they found out that they were ready to have another child, um, they ended up naming her Deborah Virgie. So, um, and they call her Virgie. They don't use Deborah. So, so Deborah and I are there on the left. Um, we had a special activity for uh, uh, it was Princess Day, and so um, we ended up getting our picture taken. And then Catherine um, on the right there is actually holding their grandchild. So now we have another generation that we get to uh, be able to train up. And praise the Lord for that. I also help uh, or get an opportunity to teach some of the ladies' courses uh, in churches. I do Bible studies and stuff in churches with the ladies and um, just enjoy that um, special time, mostly in the afternoons. As you can see there, the, the church is wide open. They just have a tin roof over the top. Helps with ventilation, but when it's raining, it makes it pretty hard to hear and understand. But the fellowship is wonderful. The other picture here on the right, the gal in, wearing the burgundy skirt, um, is actually one of our graduates. Um, I had lost track of her, hadn't seen her for about five or so years. And so it was wonderful this particular day to actually be at the church and see her continuing in ministry. And uh, she is married to another one of our students and they are serving wonderfully in a church and just praise the Lord for that continued activity. Uh, the ladies love to play volleyball. Soccer is the main sport in Peru but all of the ladies love to play volleyball and so they love to get together um, for special activities and encourage one another in that. 
in October, I was asked if I would teach a class on making cookies. And for some of the ladies, this was the first time they had ever made cookies. So it was just a fun afternoon as we got everybody involved and then they were able to enjoy the, the product afterwards, enjoy the cookies. Uh, the next month in November, um, I was asked to kind of help out as one of our other uh, teammates taught a class on how to make donuts. So we, there's always lots of fun around the table, lots of laughing, lots of joking, especially as this is some, for some of them, the first time to actually get involved in, in activities like this. Um, the ladies have uh, three times a year, they get together, do an all church ladies meetings and there's always activities. They, they can't have any sort of a, a conference or anything without games. And so in this particular game, it, they were doing a contest for Bible knowledge and the person who didn't answer correctly or didn't answer quickly enough got to have a, a, a warm welcome with these big foam hands they had put baby powder on the insides of them so <laughs> it was just that's way they love to play around there and then you may or may not have noticed some of the contrast crossing the bridge um, going one direction we're looking out at the structure as well as on into the jungle the river in the distance is the amazon and then as we return back to the city didn't see much of the city but iquitos is Again, fairly large city, a lot of population. Other areas of contrast that we might just briefly share with you about Peru. Besides the city versus the river or the mountain culture, there are contrasts of education levels, which we deal with in our students. Issues of health, a lot of times out on the river, you'll find somebody coming up, desperately trying to make it from a village out on the river to town for medical help. There are social and political differences. You may be aware hearing on the news, Peru is in a bit of political turmoil right now. Um, just a couple of months ago, about the time we were leaving, um, we ended up with our sixth president in about five years due to an, uh, an attempted coup by the previous president. And now she is um, possibly undergoing a an impeachment. The current president. So again, we can pray for our political environment. Um, as missionaries, we are free to share the gospel, but again, the country predominantly is Catholic in its religious outlook. Contrasts of environment. Interestingly enough, for those of you here on the West Coast in North America, it rains, if I'm not mistaken. That's what we call this right now is rain, yeah, or a shower, a drizzle. But the coast of Peru is desert. And so you can get a glimpse in this picture. If there's no water for irrigation available, the mountains are true desert, barren of anything. It's just rock and sand. For the first 10 years of our ministry, we're further north on the coast. There was a lot of fishing. So again, on the coast and the ocean, you have fishing there, but as soon as you're on land, again, it's mostly desolate sand. I could um, tell you a lot about the history. I won't spend a lot of time, but the Inca Empire 
was growing and reaching from all the way through Ecuador, even into Colombia, all the way down into Chile, about the time Columbus was out on the ocean, sailing the oceans blue. So when the Spanish came around, they then conquered the Incas. So the Inca Empire was growing, but not that long lived. I think about 150 years from beginning to end. <clears throat> so just a lot of interest where we are out on the river. Uh, again, Amazon River is fascinating. Besides going up and down 50 feet, I think three of the tributaries into the Amazon River make the list of top 10 rivers by volume in the world. So it is a massively large river. My mother tells me when she immigrated with her mother and father from Brazil to the United States that the ocean liner was going north, didn't see land anywhere, but when they crossed where the Amazon flowed into the ocean, they refilled the fresh water of that ocean liner. Just trivia for some interesting facts for me. So out on the river, uh, a lot of tourism goes on. And as I said, the river goes up and down considerably. So when the water is low, for the tourist um, industry, they build these very much OSHA-approved walkways. So you can make it to the tourist locations until the water comes up again. Peru is known for their cuisine. They have won multiple international um, contests for their cuisine. The plate on the left, one of our favorites, is called lomo saltado. It's sort of like a, a beef stir fry. It's mixed with tomatoes and onions and local spices and served over rice, including French fries. So again, somewhat of a unique but very tasty plate. On the right I show um, Coca-Cola along with, the reality is that Coca-Cola is available worldwide. You can pretty much go anywhere you want in the world and you can get Coca-Cola. And as Coca-Cola has advanced throughout the world, they have been able to just overcome and eliminate any local competition, except in Peru. The local competition is called Inca-Cola. It's the color of, um, what is it, Mountain Dew, I guess, similar. It has way more caffeine than any other soft drink. It's very high concentrate of sugar, tastes like extremely sweet bubble gum, I'm told, <laughs> but Coca-Cola couldn't outsell it. And so now they have to produce it and it's available. You can find it in some of the stores here in the US. Some of the other activities, other hats that uh, I wear or we wear, I will elaborate more on this ministry in the morning time that I have, but evangelism and discipleship material that our mission has produced, working on translating it into all the languages where we work. Over 70 languages worldwide is our goal to have this material translated. Again, I'll share a little bit more about the details of that. But because I've involved, I've traveled to Chile and Colombia and other places to help teach evangelism, discipleship um, principles from the Bible, as well as the material that we have to follow those principles. Another hat that I wear, my bicycle helmet, some of you coming in may have seen the bicycles on the back of our vehicle. I enjoy cycling. Those of, who have followed our newsletter are aware that um, because of my cycling interest, I began noticing an issue with my heart, got it checked out, and over the last four years, I am now on my fourth pacemaker. Current one seems to be doing what the doctors wanted to, and so 
It's a long story. I won't bore you with the details. <laughs> but I also use cycling there in Iquitos as a means of being around and having opportunities to share the gospel with unsaved individuals. Our involvement at the Bible Institute with teaching and maintenance does not give very many opportunities to be out with those who need to hear the gospel. So I use cycling for that. I'm also the field team leader for our missionaries in Peru. And this is our team of missionaries that serve in Peru at this point. Just after we finally could get back together in person after the pandemic, we had planned an event and just last minute, two of the couples in country were not able to come because they were sick. And then our elder statesman senior missionary um, <laughs> was in the States on furlough and she was not there. So most of the team in this picture. Then in Iquitos, this is our group um, and then some. We are pictured there, you may recognize us. On the left are the two Patton families. John and Andy Patton are second generation missionaries. They grew up on the river with their parents. Andy and Carol on the left <clears throat> had adopted six children, all of which are out of the nest and back in either the US or serving overseas in the military. John and Wendy with their two girls are there helping. They help both help us teach some classes. And then to our right, or to our left, on the right here, um, he's, a, he's a guy I was riding across the bridge with. Um, he is also a second generation missionary, Jerry Manis, involved in literacy and translation work, close friends of ours, but not with our mission. So that covers our ministry. And since, again, that ministry is involved with teaching in a Bible institute, I wanted to take just a few minutes to give you um, a brief overview of something that I've been learning from Scripture. <clears throat> won't be as long as it could be, um, especially since it's based on a couple of courses I teach. I teach both Leviticus and <clears throat> Hebrews. Um, both of those take you know, the full 12 weeks to teach. But as I've taught those, one of the comments from Scripture that really struck me was when John the Baptist announced, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the more I reflect on that statement, the more I wonder how much the people that heard him that day grasped what the Holy Spirit was revealing in that statement. And even as John wrote his gospel, and the more I think about it, I, I would relate it to, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, the author of Hebrews there uses as an example from the Old Testament what we know as the Day of Atonement. And without, again, taking more time than I have, if you're aware of the Day of Atonement, the author of Hebrews uses that in the book of Hebrews to point out that Jesus is the better sacrifice. And so while we hear John saying, Behold the Lamb of God, we often think of Passover, which we're about connected with with Easter, a, a strong connection with Passover. But Jesus is also called who would take away the sins of the world. And the more I study Leviticus and Hebrews, the more I see a connection to the Day of Atonement. And without going through details and elaborating, though I'd love to, 
As I was studying the Day of Atonement for a class and I was taking for my master's program, I came to realize that the Day of Atonement spelled out very clearly in Leviticus 16. God gives Moses the instructions. It appears as if when he received those instructions during that first month of their second year, getting ready to celebrate Passover, Aaron, the high priest, complied with the Day of Atonement. But as I've studied, it does not seem as if Israel as a nation complied with the Day of Atonement after that. And I won't, again, go through all the details. But as I've studied scripture, at its basic, between Leviticus and Hebrews, there's no mention of the Day of Atonement throughout the history of Israel in Old Testament scripture. In fact, there are several times when it would not have been possible to have complied properly with the Day of Atonement. You remember when the ark was taken during the battle, when Eli's sons took it to battle and the Philistines took it? They eventually gave it back, but it was not relocated in the tabernacle until, well, it wasn't relocated in the tabernacle. Solomon finally put it in the temple that he constructed, but the ark had been separate from the tabernacle for over 100 years. Then after the deportation to Babylon, it was taken, I believe, by God in the vision that we see in Ezekiel. And so when the temple was destroyed and they came back from captivity, Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilt a temple, but there's no mention of the ark in that temple. And as I've studied even Jewish history, it would seem as if for much of their history, they were not even able to comply with the Day of Atonement. So as the author of Hebrews points out that Jesus was the better sacrifice, I think for his readers, the Jewish Christians of the first century, they would have been reminded of Abraham and his offering of Isaac, or the substitute as it was. They would have remembered Passover. They would have thought about the tabernacle as it had been set up in the wilderness. But as he mentions the Day of Atonement, I just find it again interesting how much they really would have been aware of what the Day of Atonement was designed to do. God had given Israel this special day, a day to, as it were, reset their spiritual lives. He would atone for all of their offenses and sins that the daily sacrifices were supposed to deal with. But as I said, I don't see evidence that they were doing that. And God still honored the daily sacrifices. He forgave David. He blessed the temple Solomon built. But if they had been doing the Day of Atonement as prescribed, I can only imagine what life for the Israel nation would have been like. Maybe never have captivity. And so for us today, as we reflect on that, and I think about the work that Christ did on the cross, the atonement. Author of Hebrews tells us that it was better. God is giving us the opportunity to have even more than the nation Israel could have had. And as the author of Hebrews in chapter 9 points out, for us as believers, when we understand the work of Christ on the cross, not only are our sins forgiven, but we can have our conscience clean before God. So as believers, we have the ability to walk with God, I think much the way Adam was able to walk in the garden with God before sin came. 
That's what's available to us, and that's what I hope each of us will share with unbelievers around us. So that is our ministry. Thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. And somebody was going to come pray. Or I can pray. Oh, questions. Where are your students coming from? Uh, most of them come from the local churches in the city. A few are from out on the rivers. And they're older. That's why you have the lessons in the afternoon and evening so they can work. Yeah, most of them will be working. We have anywhere from high school graduates up through 60, 70 year olds. But yeah, most of them will have to work. Is the primary language Spanish or is there an indigenous? We speak Spanish all the time when we're there. There are out on the rivers or up in the mountains Indian dialects spoken, but we don't have knowledge of them as ability to speak or communicate, but they're there. But your materials, is that? All of our materials in Spanish. Right, but you're hoping to translate discipleship materials. Well, again, our... Our friends are involved in translating the Bible, but as far as this material, the evangelism discipleship material, we're not actively working on translating into those Indian dialects. It is being translated worldwide in other areas where ABWE works, but in our area we use the Spanish. You mentioned you don't know how the you know what the future of the facility and location is. Elaborate on that a little yeah. Um, as we have been there and observed for the last 12 years, it is fairly obvious to us that once our, those aging missionaries, I guess we're part of that, <laughs> once we're not there anymore and we don't know of anybody coming behind us, without the North American influence, um, the property would not be able to be sustained by the local environment. It's just not. It's been operating at a loss the whole time we've been there. So the reality that we're facing is, without missionaries, um, we'll probably have to sell the property. And we'd like to keep being involved in leadership training in local churches, probably. But to keep this place going, you just don't see it as being feasible. Well, you were going to ask questions about the bridge, so I had one. How high above the, the water level, like high, high and low? Well, that is a great question. I don't really have that up here. Um, <laughs> I think when the water's at its highest, it would probably still have 60 feet clearance, I'm guessing. Because it doesn't, doesn't open. No, no, it's got room for boat, any boat possible to go under it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and close, I guess. We've got some folks. I'm going to let you stay up here for a second. Father God, we do thank you for. Tim and Virgie, we thank you for the ministry they've had and so many years that they've put into that. We do pray for the future there. We pray for wisdom from, from you as to your direction to, uh, for them and also for the, the facilities. Lord, give them the guidance that they need to continue on and, and serving you there. Thank you now for this. We pray that you'll also be with Robert now we're to come and bless his message as well. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Okay. Thank you.